0: Print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today, we are going to be talking about stabilization of your compound bow, uh, specifically B-Stinger. Uh, we're going to be talking with Tim Gillingham. He's a professional archer, and he works for B-Stinger, and he's going to kind of guide us through the, I guess, importance of stabilization. Now, all this information is kind of new to me. Uh, I'm not going to say brand new, but I currently do not run a stabilizer on my bow. Um not 100% sure why, really. It's just one thing that uh, I used to do it, and now I don't do it anymore. But after hearing Tim kind of walk us through in this podcast about the functionality of a stabilizer, and I think what's most important here is breaking down what a stabilizer actually does in your shot process. Uh, And he breaks down a whole bunch of details right he goes into a lot of detail about what a stabilizer actually does what kind of stabilizer may work best for you depending on if you are a tree stand hunter or if you are, uh, let's say, a Western hunter, uh, something that's going to take a little bit of a longer shot, potentially. So just uh, just keep your ears open because there's a lot of really good information in this episode. And uh, if you're not a stabilizer guy, maybe after you hear this, you might be a stabilizer kind of guy. So guy or gal. Uh, so take uh, take a listen to this great episode. Tons of great information coming out of this podcast. So before we get started, though, I'm going to run through the commercials real quick. And the first one is the average conservationist. Now, the average conservationist is a, an apparel brand. They have T-shirts and hats. Very cool logos um, with the theme of you know the everyday guy can be a a conservationist if they try. And uh, the logos are really cool. I think my, the what shirt am I currently wearing right now? I'm wearing the Euro tee. It's got an elk, Euro, uh, an elk European skull on it, a mule deer skull and a, a whitetail skull. Really cool. Um, I have some camo hoodies that they make. One of my favorite hats is the general hat. And they have a, they have a variety of other uh, hats t-shirts sweaters and uh, even some other uh, lifestyle like stickers and stuff so uh, the average now here's what's cool about this company is right off of the bat right off the top of all their earnings they give 10 percent of their income to some form of a conservation effort so that's huge and i really feel that more companies within the hunting industry need to be doing that because we at the end of the day, hunting is taking away from the natural resource that we love so much. So at some point, we, we should be giving back. And I know we give back through purchases of gun sales and uh, uh, ammunition and buying our tags and licenses. But really, that's not enough. So, giving back extra, like what Marcus at the Average Conservationist is doing, is a big uh, is a big help to the you know the hunting community and the hunting industry and the co- and conservation as a whole. So, uh, theaverageconservationist.com. If you want to save ten percent on your purchase, enter the discount code NFC10 NFC10, and you can save ten percent off of a hat or a T-shirt. Or uh, uh, sweater or whatever whatever they sell there. So take a look at that. Next, Lone Wolf portable tree stands. Man, you know I rock a Lone Wolf. So uh, head on over to LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com and check out I, I check out all their all their uh, uh, stands and sticks. They have climbers. They have climbing sticks. They have hang on stands that come in a variety of sizes. I am partial to four sticks and a assault hang on and that is my go-to every set i go everywhere i go i'm bringing four sticks and an assault hang on and that's going to get me wherever i need to go and uh it gets me in cricket trees it gets me in straight trees but most importantly it gets me in the right tree where i need to be for these uh you know for these for the perfect shot so uh, not close enough, but perfect. So lonewolfhuntingproducts.com. Go to the website. And at checkout, you can enter the discount code 9FC21. 9FC21 and save $50 off of all purchases over $200. That's uh, that's a big savings there. And lastly, hunt stand. So I've been messing around on hunt stand for a while now. And I'm going to tell you this. it The, the functionality and features with this app really do trump all of the other apps that I've used in the past. So um, first thing you should do is go to HuntStand.com and just read up on all the functionality and uh, features that this ha- app has that others do not. It's way less as far, it, it's way less expensive and you're getting more. You're actually getting more functionality out of the app than others. The cool The cool thing about this though is that they... I think they are updating their satellite imagery on a monthly basis. So th- no nobody else is doing that. So you have the most recent satellite imagery out that's currently out there, and it's updated once a month. And what another cool feature that I, I don't even think they're promoting this yet, and I don't even know if I should be talking about it yet, but you can import all of your other pins and lines and all that stuff from other apps other mapping and hunting apps onto this device, onto this, uh, this platform. Uh, And that's a huge win too. So if you're currently running two or three different uh, uh, mapping apps or, or hunting apps, you really only need one now. You can just import everything, all that information over and uh, it's a win. So huntstand.com, like I said, visit the website uh, You can, uh, or you can go to Google Play and download it for free and then you're paying, if you want the to upgrade, you can pay $30 a year. $30 a year. So there's that. All right, commercials are done. Let's get into today's stabilization episode with Tim Gillingham. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Tim Gillingham. Tim, how we doing, man? Oh, not
1: too bad. Just trying to get ready for elk hunt this week. Just getting back to normal life after traveling all year. So
0: Yeah, yeah I'm getting ready to do the same. I got a mule deer hunt coming up on Friday of this week. I'll be gone for eight days. Where's your elk hunt at? Sweet.
1: I'm going up to uh, Southeastern Montana, okay, an elk and a deer tag, so.
0: gotcha. Have you been in that area before?
1: Yeah, I've never had an elk tag up there though, and so I'm really looking forward to that. I kind of got on a lease with a buddy that you know' got, got a good chance to I got sixty five thousand acre lease that uh, hopefully we can pull a pretty good bull
0: off of, so oh, we'll see. Wow. Yeah, that would be, that'd be, uh, fun. And elk is definitely on my bucket list. I, I've been elk hunting, you know, multiple times, just haven't had Mm -hmm. the opportunity to draw back and and throw an arrow at one yet, but, uh, knock on. Well,
1: yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, especially public, you know, public land hunting can be real tough because there's so many people in the field now. and, And to me, it's, it's worth paying a little bit to try to get away from all those people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, man. A lot of sense. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of skip the foreplay on this episode. And we're kind of uh, we're gonna dive right into it. And we're gonna talk about stabilizers and, uh, mm-hmm. and and specifically bee stinger stabilizers. But um, I just want to start this off with a very high level question and kind of mm-hmm. give your spiel to us about. You know, what kind of role does a stabilizer play on a compound bow? Well, let
1: me give you the biggest uh, kind of uh, example. So I probably shot for 20 years as a pro without really knowing anything at all about stabilization. I just knew you had them. Yeah, they helped a little bit, a little extra weight helped. But I really didn't understand them until Beasting, Blair Sandberg, and Greg Poole come over to the house with some, you know, some longer, you know, stiffer beastinger rods and explained to me moments of inertia, you know, and, and how that came in, in in into the equation and and man, what difference. I mean, since then, I mean, it's probably the number one thing that I work on to help me hold my bow still and to make me shoot better. And it's all, you know, in, in tournament archery, it's a it's a small thing. And the one thing people have to understand when they look at tournament rigs versus hunting rigs, is we're simply trying to stabilize our bow the same for hunting, but we're we're making some concessions for portability, okay? But you should still strive to get the same uh, performance, you know, within a certain degree out of your hunting bow. We're not trying to hit dimes with a hunting bow, so, um, you know, we can give up a little bit, but we still want to, you know, use a stabilizer to, to help us, you know, the most possible. And I, I see lots of just craziness out there in, and, and I just attribute it to ego. There's so much ego in the hunting world. And, and, you know, some guy did this video on YouTube about stabilizer or no stabilizer tested 150 yards Well, the guy's shooting like three feet groups. What are you, what are you proving?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, he's not proving anything. So, and, and, you know, guys and guys, so why don't you just stabilize Well Again, I'll reiterate to the fact that a lot of the world's dumbed down to the 30 yard bowhunter. And you don't need a heck of a lot to kill a white-tailed deer at thirty yards and in. You right. can you can get away with a lot, right. you know? But but we've all sat in the stand. We've all had that moment of truth where we're jangled, and there is nothing. Whether you're on a tournament line jangled, whether you've got an elk charging in, and your nerves are going crazy and your adrenaline's pumping, there is nothing that is going to help you like mass weight in the right place at the moment of truth probably should have handled that first huh
0: <laughs> that's all right that happens uh, a lot more than you would think so um yeah
1: so um you know i always look at i remember i certainly remember in montana a few years back i had this elk charging on me pretty soon i'm in the 30 yard 10 low and dropped the rangefinder. I just remember I was jangled, but my first thought went to what do you do in a shoot off in Theta when you're nervous? or well, you pull hard. Cuz number one thing you're going to do wrong is collapse. And number one number two thing, you got to slow down because your body wants to get rid of that feeling. But stabilizers are huge. And they're way more important, I think, a lot of times on hunting bows than people give them credit for. And, uh, it, you know, yeah, it's nice to pack a, a light bow up into the mountains, but when it comes time to make a shot in a 15 mile an hour crosswind or 20 mile an hour crosswind at 75 yards down the hill, you, you're going to want a stabilizer
0: Yeah,
1: and you're going to want a good stabilizer. And there's lots of, you know, the, the stabilizer market is pretty saturated because anybody can go on Amazon, buy carbon tubing and Men caps to make a stabilizer. It's really not difficult, and to some degree, stabilizers simply are that they're they're a carbon rod with, or aluminum rod with weight on the end of it, and uh, uh, you know it, uh, it. It's just the way it is, you know. Yeah. And
0: so, let me ask you a question: there are ha- there,
1: there there are other features, you know, that that make one stabilizer more effective than the next.
0: Okay. Let me, let me kind of back up a bit and let's talk about what does a a stabilizer actually do on the bow and maybe talk a little bit about, um, adding weight to a stabilizer or the length of a stabilizer as well.
1: Well, okay. You you go back to the analogy of, you never seen a guy walk a tight wire with a short rod, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You never seen a guy walk a tight wire with a rod sticking out one end. Yeah. Okay. What a stabilizer does is it puts weight out away from the bow and creates what we call moments of inertia. Moments of inertia is a measurement of the amount of force required to move an object in the middle. Okay. Okay. And that's really all it is. Um, So, you know, one of the first stabilizers that, that Beastinger came out with, which really made him famous, was Blair come out with this, this bow hunter freestyle stabilizer, which was limited to twelve inches, and who's maximizing the stability of this bar by adding a great big disc weight right at the end of it. And to this day I still think it's if you're gonna run a single stabilizer, I can put that on ninety percent of amateur shooters or just average bow hunters bow and they're gonna they're gonna see a remarkable difference instantly.
0: Yeah.
1: That being said, with a single bar out front, now I've hunted with a single bar out front, again, because I'm not trying to hit dimes, you know. And one of the, re- the only reason I really run a single stabilizer out front is if I want to put a knuckle on there and fold it into a to a handle that it's, you know, really nice to carry when I'm out traipsing around the mountains. Yeah. There's much better systems in a two-bar system than, like, our, our Sport Hunter Elite combo or or uh, the, I, I, what I currently shoot is our Beastinger counterslide. Um, and it's a long 15-inch bar that sits off the side of the bone. The, jo- the stabilizer has a couple different jobs, okay? The job is to slow down your mistakes, okay, that moments of inertia, okay? So if you put weight on one end and weight on another end, it takes more force to move that object in the middle, okay? So it's going to slow down your mistakes as a shooter, okay? Um, it's also going to help slow down your pin movement for the same, for the same reason, it's also going to help you naturally hold the bow level, especially when you've got a quiver full of arrows on the side. You have to, you know, use the stabilizer to kind of help offset the accessories that are on the right side of the bow. And, you know, that all comes into part of your sight leveling. You know, you, you know, sometimes my, my sight leveling is based off of how much weight I have on the bow. The, the quiver itself is actually a stabilizing unit, you know. And I see a lot of whitetail guys pulling their quiver off, but, I mean, I shoot year-round with it. And yeah. I shot a mule deer one time, well over 100 yards with a heads-up decoy on the front of the stabilizers.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it's
1: not as big a deal as people make it out to be.
0: Okay. All right. So, um, go ahead. So when it comes to um things like, Reducing pin float, right? It, it just it slows, like you said, it slows everything down. What does it do with, let's say, like transfer of energy or hand shot? Well, sure,
1: yeah. Well, you know, the bows nowadays are parallel limbs, so there's not as much hand shock as there was in the previous years when the bows were more upright and throwing a lot more force out into the stabilizer system. So stabilizers, honestly. Yeah. The shock absorption is is, is a much smaller factor than the actual stabilization. Now, keep in mind, every, virtually every compound bow on the market has a has a cable guard, right? So when that cable guard, when you draw a bow back, it loads up the cable guard to the left, and when you fire, it's starting to recover back to the right. Well, stabilizer slows all that down, and a lot of guys, you know, if you messed around with bows much, you'll you'll see that. Hey, if I tune this bow with a stabilizer, without a stabilizer, I get a different tear. Well, that's simply because it's slowing down. It's doing its job, okay? It's slowing down the recovery of that bow from loaded up from left to right. You know, 90% of mistakes shooters make is left and right, and it's due to the cable guard, okay? And the cable guard's influence on the system and the side load. So, you know, there's companies like, say, Bowtech. I shoot for Bowtech, and they have a flex guard on their bed. The flex guard helps eliminate a lot of that, you know, eliminate a lot of that loading issues. Um, and so therefore if I take a, uh, try to tune a with and without a stabilizer, you get a lot less of effect than say I do with a, say a roller guard system that is pulled in to the riser. You know, Matthews uses a reverse roller guard, which kind of helps take some of that load off. Um, but a lot of companies will use a, a roller guard that comes into the bow, which basically creates more load, more speed, you know, gets more out of their limbs. Uh, but there are negative effects to that. So, you know, it's it's important to understand that relationship, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: if you get a if you get a real light stabilizer and you got a bow that loads up real hard, whips left and right, everything you do to it is going to affect that. Now, another thing too that you know is really prevalent is high let off bows. High let off bows are extremely difficult to shoot. Um, you know, the, it, especially at the moment of truth. You know, especially when you're on the hunt. You especially when you know. An animal's charging in. It's real easy to make a mistake when you're only holding eight or nine pounds. Yeah, and especially a left and right mistake. That's most of the mistakes. You know how I put my hand in that grip.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm very sensitive to how I put my hand in the grip. I mean, I wear a glove most of the time. It's slippery, so it slides in. I hear guys talking about, "Well, my hand slides." Well, you want it to slide to the torque-free spot, and you want to lock it in, but you don't want grip on there so that you can actually torque everything. Okay. Because you're going to torque that bow left to right, and the arrow is going to get hit off center by the string, and you're going to get a flyer.
0: Yeah. So, so let me ask you this then. Uh, when you, you make the decision, let's say, f- like for me personally, like right now, I don't shoot a stabilizer, right? And I'm, just, I'm, um, as far as hunting is concerned, you're right. Like I'm a, I don't think I've killed a a white tail in my 20 years past 40 yards. It's all been, I think my, my longest is 33 yards for, for a white Mm -hmm. tail. Um, so I, I, Mm -hmm. I've never really focused on putting a stabilizer on, on my bow, but when a guy says, okay, I want to try a stabilizer. Um, is there such thing as a stabilizer that's too short doesn't do anything or too long that
1: well i mean it's incremental like i said before it's 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 a trade-off from the from the target When i do seminars i talk i first start with all the target stuff okay because i want you to understand this is what's optimal and that hunting is just a trade-off for portability if you're tied in a tree stand you don't want long bars hanging around it's going to bump into every branch you're putting around the tree on so you know some of that's on you how much you value the stabilization and are going to clear your length, you know your your limbs and stuff out so that you can move freely um but i, I i'm very adamant about the fact that 99% of people are going to benefit from shooting a stabilizer and again it's a trade off yeah the longer you go the better you know, if I shoot a pro hunter out the front with a big disc weight, you know, 90% of whitetail guys are pointing down when they shoot, right? Yeah. And that that is just a super good feeling with that big chunk of disc weight pulling down. And I also challenge whitetail guys, why, why do you not shoot a stabilizer? All you do is hike the tree, and even if you had them go a half a mile in, it's still not very far, you're going to a tree and set up in a tree. Now, a sheep hunter or a... Western mule deer or elk it's that's traipsing all over the mountains, there's a little bit of concession to, you know, keeping the weight down. So in that regard, I would end up going longer bars with less weight on them to keep the weight down. But if I'm climbing up in a tree whitetail hunting, man, I'm going to put some weight on there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think a good average is 10 inch sta- front stabilizer. If you're going to run a, you know, if you're going to run a single bar system, we try to keep our hunting systems compact to the bow personally. I like the counter slide. I think the counter slide is the very best of all worlds, you know, for the average guy. It sits off the left side of your bow. You can put weight on the front and the back. You can move the bar front or back so you can actually, you know, increase the leverage front or back in whatever ratio you want. And it does a very good job of offsetting the weight of your quiver, helping you hold that bow nice and level so your pins are straight up and down and you're not forcing it because you don't want to force your pins to level either because then you're you're simply like coiling a spring, and as soon as you fire, it's going to uncoil. In rifle shooting, they call it natural point of aim, okay? If you don't have a natural point of aim and you push tension into the gun while you're, you're, you're aiming, as soon as you pull the trigger, it's going to cover back where natural was. And bows are no different. So, you know, I, I recommend don't go down and look at... A lot of stabilizers sold off aesthetics. Yeah. You know how does it look? I'm gonna put this short little stubby four inch stabilizer on. Why bother? Yeah, it's not doing anything, but maybe adding a little teeny bit of weight to your riser. It's not. It's not adding any very little stabilization effect to your system. Yeah. So you want longer bars. I mean, and you know when you have like a counter slide and a 15 inch, we sell a 10, a 12, and a 15. I'd say use the 15. Ninety nine percent of guys. Another consideration. Is if you want a two-bar system, is you're a whitetail guy, you're pointing downhill, right? So you don't want you don't want a back bar coming back and hitting you in the leg when you're pointing downhill. So a counter slide system stays tucked up right under your forearm, so it's it's going to clear your leg a lot better. That's another reason for maybe thinking about only having a single bar out front. And again, I reiterate, if you're use a single bar, there's nothing better than a Beastinger Pro Hunter. You know, it comes with ten ounces of weight, so you can tweak it whatever you want. You can actually add more weight, but we sell other disc weights on that but when you're pointing downhill out of a tree stand, that is probably one of the most comfortable aiming feeling uh rigs that that I've
0: ever shot okay, okay. Um, so when when I draw my bow back, i tend i don't I don't know this is just how I do it I tend to bring my bow up to the uh aim or to the to the target, right? I I bring my pin up Mm -hmm. on on the target. Uh is there a you know when it comes to accuracy or good form or anything like that, is is there a a better I mean, should you come down on the target? Should you come up on the target, and does stabilization help any of that?
1: Well, I don't think so. That's just, you know, one one thing that does bring, you know, kind of jog my memory on Is you can't run a heavy stabilizer if you don't have the leverage to hold it up. Okay, so this is one of the negatives of high let-off bows. Okay, high let-off bows, you're holding nothing, so therefore it's hard to hold mass weight up. So a lot of guys get the sensation that they're they're always sinking out the bottom. Well, there's there's several solutions to that. You can either one of the first solutions is to move your loop up higher on the bowstring. So that pulls a little bit more on the top limb and kind of helps. Leverage that stuff up. It's also importance of draw length being correct. If you got too long a draw length, you're stretched out. You're not going to have the leverage to stay against the stops. Okay. The third solution is to increase your holding weight. Okay. If you look into tournament archery, one of the best numbers that you'll get from a tournament archer that's really good is they know their holding weight. Okay. They know what they shoot the best. Okay. And I honestly, I shot 22 pounds of holding weight for a lot of years, and this year I'm I'm 52 and I'm Shoulders are starting to hurt. And I actually backed off a little bit for the last two or three tournaments of the year, and I kind of liked it. You know, there's some negatives in it, for sure. Um, But, you know, as far as patterns on how you come into the target, uh, I think I tend to start high just simply because it's easier on my shoulders to draw the bow. Then I come down. Of course, when I'm drawing on an animal, I try to draw with the least amount of movement possible. So... Yeah. You know, you just, you got to be able to stay against the wall. Yeah. Okay. So I bumped my, I was saying mess around with my hunting bow. I got a new hunting bow and, and I just got strings in for it yesterday. So I was scrambling to put it together and <laughs> I kind of got the sensation. I didn't like that real 10 pounds of holding weight. So I got a little trick on how I boosted up and I think I boosted up to 18, 19. Now I, it's. It's kind of right on the edge where it wants to suck you through the peep, but I want to go out here when you know this and shoot through the chronograph because I guarantee I picked up six or eight foot a second. Yeah, just just by move, moving my holding weight up to eighteen or nineteen pounds from ten.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Plus it,
1: it, it's a snappier, it's a snappier shot, so you don't have to follow through quite as good when you've got a, a bow that's sitting more like right on the edge of the valley. Yeah. So there's lots of little things combined together that you know create, you know good accuracy
0: okay so when it comes to material i mean i can remember a uh i can remember one of my first stabilizers i ever shot and this was a long time ago you know i thought everybody needs a stabilizer mm-hmm. and so it had like sand in it and it you could feel the sand shift up and down mm-hmm. when it was in it like it, it just honestly it looked cheaply made and i probably bought it for that reason is because it was cheap uh when it comes to Mm -hmm. when it comes to stabilizers is there a material that uh performs or functions better than others
1: well sure i mean when you're dealing with target bars of course high modulus graphite is the key because when you hang this is something that those guys taught me a lot because i just assumed that hey a long stabilizer moves more because it's more flexible right B-Stinger was the first company to come out with these very expensive stabilizers. I mean, they were $350 for a front bar and kind of shocked everybody. But when you start comparing the two, you start to realize that you can actually see the difference. Now, that's under magnification on a target setup. When you're dealing with hunting bows, when when your average bars are under 12 to 15 inches, it probably doesn't matter. A medium modulus carbon bar is probably best for everything. Now, in our microhex bars, and we do put a material called countervail in them. It's kind of a dampening, deadening material. They use it in fighter jet wings and, you know, and like field hockey sticks to kind of kill that bat buzz. And it has a little bit of dampening effect. But really, you just want a stiff rod where you can put the weight out on the ends where it's the most effective and not have it flexing around. And that's that really. In, in just about every carbon hunting bar on the indus- in the industry, there's probably not two shakes of difference between any of them other than just, like I said, that dampening material that we put in the microx. A lot of it is aesthetics. What does it look like? Does it look cool? Yeah, because everybody wants to look good too, right? But the bracketry is, is some of the most important, okay? You want good brackets, you know, that are not going to come loose. You want, uh, you know stuff that's not going to slip around like if you're going to do the two bar system you want the back bar you don't want that thing bumping you know moving on you yeah. so on the Beastinger stuff we used we use metal teeth in it so they lock into place and you know it's very very unlikely that's ever going to come loose on you okay so but far as a stabilizer material goes i mean there's a variety of different uh you know we use a lot of sims products on our stuff and we have some dampening uh you know, things that we put on the, uh, in deresonators, we put on the bar. And the deresonators do work a little bit, you know. They definitely do help kill some of that buzz, but you're not seeing that much in a short hunting bar. Yeah. So really, it's more about weight placement. And some of the stuff, honestly, is just aesthetics, you know. Hey, yeah. if I put that big disc weight on the end of a pro Hunter and I put a, uh, a Sims dampener behind it, it actually looks a lot more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Does it add a little bit? Yeah, maybe a tiny bit, but we're talking. Is it real noticeable? Probably not. It just looks cool.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So I want to throw out a couple scenarios for you, and then I'd like you to uh, tell me what stabilizer you feel um, would work best in that scenario. And I think you've already mentioned a couple of these, but. Uh, um, it sounds to me for the, the tree stand hunter, well, I'll, I'll just let you tell it. Let's just say, a, a tree stand hunter in the Midwest who spends most of his time elevated. What, uh, what stabilizer would you recommend from BC?
1: Well, there's two in a single bar system. I would go with a pro hunter, um, simply because it puts a good amount of weight on the end of the end of the bar. And it kind of, when you're pointing down, it kind of, it just feels like it's, it's pulling you towards the animal now, um, in, in a more performance bar system I say the the, the, uh, the counter slide. I, I really like that counter slide system. It sits just up under your forearm, gives you some adjustability in and out, um, it helps offset the weight of the quiver a little bit better than say a single bar system does. Um, you know a quiver and the sight. I mean you, everybody holds a bow a little bit different too, so you you, you want to be able to use your stabilizer system um, to help hold that bow naturally level.
0: Gotcha okay all right the next scenario would be for that that uh wide open let's say mule deer antelope hunt something where there's not a lot of mm-hmm. uh not a lot of vegetation to uh, get caught up sure. on but you're 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 probably going to be taking a longer than normal shot
1: yeah yeah i mean you're you want you got the benefit of a long, you know you got that longer range accuracy that's needed everything has to come into play your broadheads your arrows your stabilizers you know all that stuff come into play and so in that system, I would say either like a a sport hunter combo or a, a micro hex in a combo, like a front and a back bar. You got look at guys like Levi Morgan. You know, these guys come from Terminarch. they run a 15 inch front bar in a two bar system with a 10 inch back because they they see the value of that. So they might go a little bit lighter on the weights because they have the length. Personally, I don't like I don't like packing that length around. I don't see enough value in it. I I, I run a 15 inch micro hex. But I do add a little bit more weight to it. You know, I'm just willing to pack a little bit more weight. That's kind of a personal thing. But just keep in mind, longer is always a softer sight picture. So that means so the longer you can make your moment, or the longer you can make your moment arm, and that moment arm is from one, one uh, weight to the end of the stabilizer to the other. So if you have got a 15 inch front bar, a 10 inch back bar, you got a 25 inch moment arm. If you've got a 10-inch front and a 12-inch back, you've got a 22-inch moment arm. If you've got a 15-inch slide, you have a 15-inch moment arm. So it's all based on how much weight you put on the end of that moment arm as to, you know, I can make a a 6-8 hunter combo have the same moments of inertia as a 10-12. I just have to add a lot more weight to it to do so. Okay. You understand that yeah. principle?
0: Yeah. So basically, that the longer that number is, the softer the picture window, or the the sight yeah, and, window. And,
1: and the less weight you need to get the same moments of inertia.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: The longer the bars are, you know, it just then becomes more of a portability issue. Do you want to? Are you hiking to the brush and is it going to get hung up on everything? Are you strapping it to your pack? I mean, I don't strap my bow in my pack ever, unless I'm climbing a cliff. Yeah. You yeah. know, mountain goat hunting. I I use both hands when I'm out goat hunting
0: (laughs) yeah for sure for sure okay um and then I think the next scenario would be something where you are uh potentially I don't know let's say you're elk hunting in some steeper terrain and not only do you have to shoot down but you potentially have to shoot up too at a at an angle Mm -hmm. and there might be a a little bit more vegetation in the way
1: well I think it's kind of the same I mean it's again it's just always a trade-off you know it's not rocket science, it's not it's just you know, you want to shoot what you shoot most accurate, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you pick arrows or stabilizers or broadheads, you know. I shoot accuracy is my number one criteria, okay? It's going to be easier to shoot uphill and downhill if you have a more balanced front to back rig. But how much more than a single? Uh, I don't know. Maybe 15-20% better. Yeah. But it's Dependent, really, there's so many facts that are dependent upon it, like, you know, holding weight, the shooter's ability. Um, you know, nothing's going to help you like a stabilizer, I can promise you that.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. especially a two-bar system or, or a longer, you know, slide system. Those, those, those systems are going to help you more than a single-bar system. Can you put a single-bar system in a good shooter's hand and he could e- equal, you know, another system? Probably. Okay, I mean, I shot some. I, I shot a switchback one year with a nine and a half inch brace height. I didn't stabilize I Actually, won the broadhead shoot at the trade show with it, with a four inch front bar on it, just because I was kind of challenged by Randy Ulmer, You know, he got he got a little mad at me when he, I told him I I hunt with a longer bow, so I said, okay, I'll bring my little thirty three inch uh, switchback and <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, the bow shot phenomenal. I don't think I left a five inch circle at a hundred yards. So yeah um so the next but that's a nine inch brace height so that's not going to do what a bow that's got a six and a half inch brace height does right yeah that makes sense you know so one of the let me let me bring up something real quick okay so one of the very first things when you're stabilizing a hunting bow the very first thing that i do is i i try to make the stabilizer give the bow a neutral reaction or a slightly limp top limb down action If your top limb is kicking back at you, that's probably the number one all-time bad things that can happen because it's going to give you a lot of crazy flyers. So I try to use a stabilization to, number one, neutralize that. Some bows are very neutral already with nothing. So a lot of times I'll have guys shoot the bow without anything on it, see what it naturally wants to do, and then we'll use a stabilizer weight to... uh, to kind of start to counteract. If it kicks back real hard, we'll put a lot more weight out front. Okay. If it's real neutral, then we'll kind of even the weight front to back. Okay. So that's something, you know, that's another stabilization is how, and how you apply pressure. Cause if I go look at 10 different top level pro shooters, they're going to have 10 different stabilizer systems cause they all apply a pressure different or they all, one guy takes a lot longer through his shot. He shoots a back tension style shot he's going to have a lot wider stabilizer system than a guy that's, uh, you know, command shooting.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So, and, and this is going to sound like a crazy question, but like everybody needs to know. Like, so you take a, a stabilizer. Well, you know, we've talked about several options. You, you attach it to your bow, screw it in. Is there, is there a learning curve to using a stabilizer or is it just screw it in and go?
1: I think it's screwing and go, but always check your tune. Everything you do to your bow is going to change your tune, especially if you're shooting micro diameter arrows. So um, I tell people I shoot 5,000 arrows a year through paper. I shoot 5,000 arrows a year through paper. I think I shot 200 last night Um, just trying to tune my hunting arrows up. And, you know, everything you do to set up is going to change – where that thing has to the arrow. So you can't just assume you can throw a stabilizer onto a well-tuned bow and it's going to not change anything. So yeah, you need to be able to experiment, you know, and nothing teaches that like like shooting an indoor archery league or something. You know, you you because you get a cause and effect, okay? I did this, I got this. I also tell people paper tells no lies. If you've got a shooter that's got problems, I stand them in front of paper at five yards and make them shoot one arrow over and over again. If they can repeat that arrow over and over again, then I know their form's good. Um, if they're having problems, again, paper tells no lies. Yeah. And so you can start working on, hey, I did this and I got this. But, yeah. you know, stabilization is more how the bow reacts, how my sight picture um, looks primarily i use it for you know sight picture more than just about anything but i do want to cancel any negative reactions in the bow um and it's just simply the more mass weight i can stack on there the more it slows down my mistakes yeah it's just what am i willing to pack around in the woods yeah for sure so
0: all right and
1: i i tend to i tend to lean towards heavy i'll pack a little bit more weight just for that you know because i've learned over 40 years of bow hunting that you don't get that many shots, yeah. you know, you don't get that many good quality shots. And I need to put, I put more effort into making the shot than just about anybody. I don't hunt that much because I, you know, travel all year my, my wife would kill me if I take off too much time, but, <laughs> but, uh, I try to get my fix every year. And so I really, really prepare my equipment so that if I do get a shot, I can make it no matter what it is.
0: Yeah. Understood. Shot
1: lots, shot lots of animals over hundred chickens. I mean, does that, did everybody need to be doing that? Absolutely not.
0: Yeah.
1: I've seen very few people that can back up what they say when, you know, in terms of long range hunting accuracy. Right. Because you got to have everything into, into the equation. You got to understand every little aspect of, you know, I watch these TV shows. It makes me sick. These guys will go out to, to a guide and they'll, they stand out back practicing with their field points. I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing with their fill points? Yeah. Well, I never shoot my hunting bow with a field point. Yeah.
0: That, that's something I keep hearing field too. broadheads.
1: Field points and broadheads don't hit the same. Yeah. For sure. Now, you might be able to, you know, not not at the distance. It's a majority of my practice, I do it 100 to 120 yards. And I'll check my short marks and my pins. And, and I do my practice at distance because it teaches me the most. And right. that's the most important mark on my sight tape.
0: Right. Yeah. Makes it so, makes a ton of sense.
1: I need to know. I need to know what I can do, at a you know moment's notice. Is that is is it a legitimate yardage for me? You know, can I stuff nine out of ten in in a four inch circle at a hundred yards? If I can, that's a pretty legitimate distance. As long as everything else is right.
0: Right. Yeah. Definitely. All right, so um, I want to kind of wrap it up here. But the next question, I the last question I have uh, for you is, um, so a guy listens to this today. He goes, you know what, I want to, uh, I need a stabilizer. And he walks into the store or he's searching online and he's he's trying to make a decision on what stabilizer he should buy. Why should he choose Beastinger? Well,
1: Beastinger was was the first, okay? We're one of the very first stabilizer companies that really taught stabilization and uh, like I said I went 20 years and I still think there's tons of archer shops just stock a bunch of stuff but they don't really teach stabilization because it's a very confusing topic and a lot of people don't even know how to teach it so I've actually shot a few videos and we're gonna be doing some videos because it's important to educate people how to do it you know and, and I'm a resource people can reach out they reach out to me all the time on Facebook and Instagram to kind of help them with their setups and uh it, it's just a it's a product built by professionals, you know, to allow you to achieve the best results possible. And there's lots of options. We give lots of options for people. Yeah. You know, they look good, they perform they perform good and uh I think you're gonna get, you know, what you pay for.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Well, Tim, man, uh thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on and, and school us on uh, the uh, stabilization world and V Stinger, uh, appreciate your time and, and good luck this upcoming season, man. No problem, man. I appreciate it.